Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here with a special episode because I actually was hosting Jill and Josh Stanton from Screw the 9 to 5 at Mi Casa down here in the lovely Puerto Rico Islands. And we had a blast. We had a great time. And Josh looked at me one night and said, hey, how about we record an episode? Because I've always wondered how the heck you, JLD, keep all the money you make. Obviously not all the money you make, but a very, very high percentage of it. And I said, hey, it's a conversation I love talking about. Let's do it. We cranked out a killer episode. He released it to his audience on their podcast, Screw the 9 to 5. It got a ton of great feedback. I re-listened to it. I was like, this is really great content. Josh, would you mind if I played the episode on the Entrepreneurs on Fire feed? Because I knew that you, Fire Nation, would get a ton out of it. So I hope you enjoy this content. Let me know what you think. As always, Always hit me up with your questions, your comments, your feedback, your concerns, john at eofire.com. One disclaimer before we listen to this episode, I am not a financial advisor. I did used to work in corporate finance, so I'm fairly knowledgeable on finance, but I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a CPA or an accountant or a lawyer. So everything I'm sharing is my opinion and my opinion alone. And I definitely encourage everybody to seek higher counsel when you're making decisions for you and your business. Absolutely. But I hope you enjoy my opinions. I hope you enjoy this great chat with Josh Stanton of Screw the 9 to 5. I definitely encourage you to listen to their podcast. They're dropping great value bombs on the Screw the 9 to 5 podcast. So definitely go check them out. And we'll be diving in as soon as we get back from thinking out. Our sponsor. Growing businesses need qualified candidates, and qualified candidates can be a challenge to find. Lucky for us, ZipRecruiter makes it simple, fast, and smart. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com slash fire. That's ziprecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. What's up? I'm Josh Stanton. And I'm Jill Stanton. And we're married. We've been together nine years. And we run an online business together. Actually, we've been running businesses together since 2012. Plus, we're also new parents. To our little guy, Kai. And we believe that it's not only possible to build a successful business online, but that you can build that business around your lifestyle. Which means you can set your own hours. And work from wherever you want. And have the time to do what really matters to you. And make as much money as you want. Which is why we decided to start Screw the 9 to 5. So if you're ready to get the most out of your business and life, then turn up the volume and let's do this thing. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Screw the 9 to 5 podcast. I'm Josh Stanton. I'm going to be hosting today's episode, and we've got a really great guest coming on the show today. He's one of the most influential podcasters around um, in the interwebs. His podcast gets more than a million downloads a month, and it's been featured everywhere. Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, you name it. But what he's really known for, and I want you to wait for it, is his obsession with Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And he's coming on the show to talk about something that I haven't heard him share before, and that is how to keep more of the money you earn in your business. Ladies and gentlemen, John Lee Dumas from eofire.com. How are you doing, Mr. Ice Cream? Half-baked is specifically the kind of ice cream that I love from Ben and Jerry. So if anybody's thinking about shipping me a freezer full, that would be the flavor of choice. And Josh has been incredible and awesome and fun hosting you at my casa down here in Puerto Rico for the last 30 days. The only thing I'm disappointed about is that you're leaving tomorrow. Oh, you are just the best host ever, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> 
honestly, uh, we're down here in Puerto Rico. I, I think we're going to get to this uh, discussion a little later on in this episode. Um, but being down here in Puerto Rico and and not being up north in Canada is very it's a very easy choice for us to come down here. I'll just say that, John. The wind chill factor in Minnesota yesterday was negative forty. Ouch! I can't. I think I would actually die as an Australian in that. <laughs> I would literally freeze to death. So, the show notes for this episode are over at screwthe9to5.com forward slash keep. And as always, if you want to subscribe to the show, just head on over to thescrewshow.com. John, we're talking about keeping more of the money you earn. And and honestly, I, I haven't met another entrepreneur who is better at doing this than yourself. You know, you just showed me the other day that that you crossed a pretty cool barrier in your net worth. And it just seems like every single time I catch up with you, you just seem to continue to grow your net worth over and over again, which is definitely not something that is common in the entrepreneurial space. I would actually say it's quite uncommon because most entrepreneurs are typically quite terrible at keeping the money that they make. Would you say that's that's true? It's absolutely the truth. And I don't really blame any entrepreneurs that are doing that, by the way, either, because it's really hard to keep that money that you make when you're trying to build a business. Because when you have a little extra money, you look at that money and you're an entrepreneur, you're a businessman, you're a businesswoman, you say, man, that money could do X, Y, or Z for me. I could throw it into ads to get you know, more sales on a webinar. I could do this to grow my email list. I could do that to maybe get on a big podcast, you know, pay some appearance fee and get featured on a really big show. I could do all these different things to grow, grow my business. And I have this money here. It's there. It's right there. I can just reach out and touch it. So why don't I use it to do just that? And by the way, it is so important and so critical for you as an entrepreneur to invest in yourself. I have done so to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years with mentors, with coaches, with masterminds, with conferences, with traveling, with independent contractors, with people on my team. We spend money. You better believe that we spend money. Absolutely no shame in that. But I am always keeping my eye on that bottom line. How much money are we keeping at the end of the day? Because, man, it is really easy to go through life as an entrepreneur and to make a ton of money and then to kind of reevaluate three, five, ten years down the road and say, where is all that money that I made? And it's a head scratcher for a lot of people <laughs> if you don't focus on it. Well, let's just talk about that for a second, because one of the things that you're also really known for are your income reports. And at the time of recording this, I can see your December income reports are over $170,000. And in my opinion, it's quite unbelievable that you just continued to hit six figures on a consistent basis and more. And I think sometimes we've even seen it up around like three, $400,000. How important are these income reports for you to see every single month um, as far as like identifying where maybe you're spending money un- unnecessarily and also where you're making the majority of your money so you can double down on that? So that was our 64th income report on a month over basis. So that means for over five years now, we've been producing a monthly income report that we publish publicly every single month. And as you mentioned, December was $171,000 gross. 
But where's the number that I always keep my eye on that I am really proud of, and that's the total net profit was $119,000. So the fact that we were able to keep literally after everything, we're talking all expenses, everything, $119,000 out of $171,000 means that we're doing a lot of things right, running a very highly net profitable net profitable business. And that's where our focus is. And that's one thing that we've always been doing month over month. And doing that income report helps us out a lot because every single month we're having to go down line by line by line with our expenses. Okay, this is what we're spending money on. Is it actually bringing in at least as much or more to the business as we're spending on that? And that's the way that we keep those expenses at a really low rate. And then on the money that's being generated, okay, What's trending up right now? What is something that's really working for us? Maybe on the affiliate side, maybe on the course side, maybe on the journal side. So we really just are forced in a great way because everybody should be doing this to keep our finger on the pulse of our business. So we see what's trending up and why, whether that be expenses or profit and what's trending down and why, whether that be expenses or profit. So we can always be pulling the levers, twisting the knobs, adjusting the dials as we need to, to make sure that every dollar that goes out of our doors is a meaningful spent dollar. And every dollar that comes in the door, we're keeping as many of those 100 pennies as possible from that single dollar bill. In my mind, I want 60, 70 of those pennies to end up in my bank, in my war chest, so that I can deploy it in other ways. Now, what are other ways? Well, maybe it is down the road um, investing in more infrastructure or team for our business. Or maybe it is investing in another company, which I've invested in multiple, multiple companies right now, where I'm an advisor with legitimate equity stake that could turn into a ton of money down the road or nothing. But I had the money to at least take that very strategic gamble and we'll see what happens down the road. But I was in the situation to be able to do that and potentially benefit at a very high, high price uh, level and price point when that does come to a fruition. So these are just things that we're always looking at. We're always keeping our finger on the pulse. And this income report is something that just keeps Kate and I accountable to the business that we're running. Let's say there's someone listening here right now and they're just getting their business going and maybe they're making some revenue, but not a lot. And and maybe like they don't really need to necessarily publicly post an income report to their audience. Uh, but do you recommend that everyone do something like this just for themselves so they can see, hey, look, you know, I, I profited like $100 this month. Good. It's, it's a start. Let's move on from there. Is, is that something that you would recommend most entrepreneurs do? Absolutely. I think it's really important whether you want to share it or just keep it private within your team that you as an individual, as a team, know everything that's happening in your business. What's coming in, what's going out. It's absolutely critical. It's again, something that I know is the reason why Kate and I have been able to build up the type of war chest that we have over the years so that, you know, what happens if there is a huge downturn in the economy in 2019, 2020 or beyond? It may not happen tomorrow or next year, but it is going to happen. And it's those companies that can survive during that time and then can come out the other side with deployable cash, you know, with a business that's still running and the doors are open because we're able to make it through those times that are going to exponentially benefit from that. Absolutely critical. And I really think that that can be a huge reason why people need to say, hey, what are we doing to protect ourselves against anything that could happen at any point in the future? Because it's not like markets stay the same. Markets are constantly going through ebbs and flows. There's always adjustments that need to go on. And, you know, from our perspective, we've seen some growth. We've seen like a big growth year in 2016. And then there was like this change that happened in 2017 that we just weren't anticipating, you know. And because of that, we sort of saw our 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 
margin sort of bottom out or, or just stay on a plateau. I, I think this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs need to understand is that markets do in fact change. Would you agree? I definitely agree with that. Markets are always changing and you have to be flexible with the times for all the reasons that I just shared. And again, it's those people that are prepared and can weather the storms that are coming that are going to exponentially and disproportionately benefit from that. So just make sure you're ready for it. Have you ever in your income reports, have you ever looked at your expenses and just been like, oh, we spent way too much on this? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely times we're doing that because you know, we as a company are going to try things and test things. And it's okay when you see that you spend too much on something, but you want to catch those things quick. It's companies that I've seen have really bled out, have been companies that have looked back and said, whoa, for the last seven or nine or 13 months, we've been spending this much money on that and it's been giving us next to nothing in return. That's where it hurts. That's why you have to really have a system in place where you're studying, you're analyzing, and you're making sure that that return on investment is working in every part of your business. When it's not, turn it off and try something different. You have to keep that finger on the pulse to make sure that you're able to use as much of your deployable assets that you have in the right areas, not the areas that are just bleeding you dry. Where do you see most entrepreneurs wasting money? In what area? You know, I think um, ads are a big place that people do where they have maybe a social media marketing team of some kind and they're paying the social media marketing team to run ads for them and they just don't have the funnels that are converting or the ads aren't converting or they're not changing the copy up. They're not really studying the numbers, studying the analytics. So I think that ads is a really easy and quick place that people can go to and they're seeing that, hey, you know, I know I'm supposed to be running ads because everybody says you should be running ads, whether it be Facebook or LinkedIn or YouTube or Instagram, whatever it might be. It's like the thing to do. And everybody's like, oh, I love to give Mark Zuckerberg $1 and have him give me back $2. Like that's just a trendy and fun thing for people to say. And guess what? There's a lot of people out there that are doing it because what do they do? They study the numbers. They know ads inside out. And you know they're running a lean, mean funnel. And they make sure that that funnel is producing a positive ROI. But then there's a lot of other people who are just like, well, you know, I don't really know that side of the business. And so I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to hire a business to run that for me and we're going to see what happens. I'm going to give them 10 or $20,000 per month and they're going to do their thing. And then months and months and months are going by and they can always just tell their friends, yeah, you know, I have, I'm running Facebook ads and the friends are like, oh yeah, we see your ads all the time, blah, blah, blah. And it's like all good and well, but how are those converting? How is that actually converting for you? And that's the thing you just really need to know. So I, th I think that's a big place that people are really spending a lot of money that they could potentially rein in. But again, there's a lot of opportunity for that to work incredibly well for you. It just needs to be a focal part of your business that you are tracking and analyzing. I think another area that people are definitely spending a lot of money on is having just too big a team where mm. they have people that are running redundant tasks and they're not really providing the right kind of leadership. So it's not necessarily the people on that team's fault. You know, they're just there doing what they're doing, but it's just not necessary because of that overlap, because of that commingling of tasks and jobs, and because there's like layers of bureaucracy in between that all of a sudden it's like, are you running like a corporate company right now? Or are you trying to be a lean, mean entrepreneur machine here? And so for myself and Kate, you know, we built a very small team up, but we've never had a big team. We have built a small team up over the years with a bunch of virtual assistants and a handful of independent contractors. And that was where we needed to be at that time. But because we are always analyzing it, 
Over the past year and a half, even though our revenue has stayed incredibly consistent on the growth side of things, we've actually been trimming our team down, therefore trimming down our expenses because we just realized, okay, like, you know, we brought this person on because we were making a big push in this direction. We gave it some time. It wasn't working. And that person's job now is necessarily not not needed. So if we can't transfer or kind of shift them into something else, it's time to give them a notice and let them go find another job and make that happen. So now we've actually pared down to just three virtual assistants and two independent contractors so that we reach out to our web guy when we need web work and we pay him a high hourly rate because he's really good, but we only pay him as we need him. And the same thing goes for graphic design. And then everything else that we do, you know, we're just making sure it's working for our business and our lifestyle, you know, which is down here in the Caribbean, doing our best to generate great value, to generate um, great inspiration and motivation for our audience. And at the same time, keep the money that we're generating, bringing in so that we can weather any storm that's going to come. And again, if we decide to make any kind of a shift in the future away from what we're doing now, we have the leisure and the ability to do that because of what we built up over the years. Do you think many entrepreneurs pay too much for team members? And if so, why? So I think that that's kind of a tough question to answer because there's just going to be different skill levels of team members. For instance, I think that Amy Porterfield has built an incredibly valuable team over in Carlsbad, California, because she's there. She knows what she wants to do. She knows her strengths and she wants to bring in really high level, um, very well paid team members to essentially run this big media business. And she has an eight-figure goal, which she's publicly stated on her podcast, to reach in 2019. That's her goal. So she needs to do massive, she needs to have massive growth to make that happen. She needs to have a lot of people working in a lot of different areas being very good. And guess what? If you're going to have those people, or if you're going to have people representing you and representing your brand and doing things, you're looking to grow at that rate, you need to be paying top dollar for great people to do that because she's looking to go from essentially five to 10 plus million dollars. That's doubling her income. That's, you know, going from 5 million to 10 million. That's a big leap because that's a lot of dollars. And it's not just like saying I'm going from 30,000 to 60,000, which is also doubling your business. No, that's going from 5 million to 10 million. That's $5 million. That's a lot of money. So in that case, you have to invest your infrastructure if you want to get there in the right way. Whereas myself and Kate, you know, we have different goals. We're not looking to build our business and build our revenue. We're looking to continue to have a lifestyle business, which we love with a very small team, stay at the, at the revenue level that we want. You know, maybe I come up with an incredible idea in two months and six months in a year that, you know, spikes our income for a little while or for a long time. Maybe I don't. But our focus is how can we get the most out of the least? And so therefore, our virtual assistants are two in the Philippines and one in Pakistan. And we probably pay those three individuals total as much as Amy pays one or probably less than what Amy pays one of her many, many team members that she has over there. And so that's just some things you need to think about. I mean, Michael Hyatt with over 70 or 80 or 90 people on his team. I mean, that's him waking up every day knowing that he has that big of a team to support and he has to go big. So he's going real big in a lot of areas. That's not my goal. That's not my desire. That's not the kind of business I'm looking to build here. So to kind of get back to the just juxtaposition of your question, 
is what are your goals? What do you want to run for a business? What kind of business do you want to create? You know, Kate and I right now are very clear on what we want to create, the lifestyle and the business that we want. And that's a very small, efficient, and frugal team. And if you want the opposite, you've got to go for the opposite. So that's where I think you need to start off with is what's your goal? What are you looking to build? And make that happen and execute on that. It seems like there's almost a mentality in the entrepreneurial space that, you know, when it comes to tax time, it's like, well, you know, I have to pay taxes on this. So, I may as well just like hire all these people or pay for all these things just so I can have more write-offs. But uh, what they're actually doing is just kind of like decreasing the amount of money that they get to eventually have themselves. Um, You've always been very opposite of that since I've known you. You've always just wanted to like have the highest possible margins. Even if, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but even if that meant paying more taxes, because in the end you were like, well, it means I'm going to be, you know, getting more after those taxes anyway. Totally. I'm a big believer in keeping as much money as possible after everything so that you can use those monies that you have in a lot of different ways that can benefit your business and your lifestyle and just future possibilities that you don't even know is going to happen or future opportunities that you don't, aren't even aware of currently when those situations do arise. And so I see so many people, you know, come November and December and, you know, let's be honest, it's, I get why they're all like this because it is kind of fun to be like, oh my God, like I'm going to get hit with a couple hundred thousand dollar tax bill. Uh, but my accountant says that, you know, I can buy all these things for quote unquote business expenses and then they'll, you know, decrease my total profit in my business. So I'll be paying less in taxes. So they go and buy cars and they rent bigger office space and, you know, they hire more independent contractors or they pay this and they do that. And they're doing all these different things to do what? To like spend all the money that they, they work so hard earning. So here you are, and this is, again, from my perspective, you're spending seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months of the year just like working your little booty off to make as much money as possible. And then now, just because it's the end of the year and you're gonna have a big tax bill coming your way, you're gonna go like a kid in a candy store and just buy all this crap that you really don't need just because you're gonna be giving it away to the government anyways is kind of the attitude which a lot of people have. Whereas I was always like, okay, I just want to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to make sure that I am not working five months of the year, six months of the year for the IRS, for the government, for California, for whatever state that you're living in. I don't want to spend the first five or six months of the year working for them. So I was very adamant with my CPA to find some opportunities for me that were 100% legal and legitimate and like something that wasn't like going to Siberia, but was something that was actually a decent opportunity. And that's why you're down here in Puerto Rico right now, brother, because (laughs) we're down here running our corporation and we've been doing it since 2016, paying a flat 4% corporate tax rate and life is good. I'm glad it wasn't Siberia. By the way, as a side <laughs> note, because <laughs> I wouldn't want to go from Canada to Siberia. That but would you would be have, because Jill and Kate are such good friends, and you would have just had to tag along. <laughs> I hope you. I hope we, I don't know what we would do in Siberia. That'd be kind of crazy. But anyway, uh, so Puerto Rico is is an interesting thing that a lot of people don't even know about. I was just talking about uh, this with a mutual friend of ours. Uh, his name's Bryce, and he runs a really fantastic business called CrushTheCPAExam.com. And so, he didn't even know about Act 20. Uh, so, I brought it up to him and he looked it up and he was like, wow, 
this is pretty amazing. How is this possibly a thing? So, for anyone who doesn't know John, and I, we may have talked about this already on the show. I can't remember exactly when this is coming out. But for anyone who doesn't know what Act 20 is and Puerto Rico, uh, you kind of touched on it then with 4%. But can you explain it a little bit further for those people? Fire Nation, I've got a lot to say about Puerto Rico, the 4% tax bill, and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsor. Ever felt like your hiring process is inefficient and like you're struggling to grow your company to its potential? If so, you're not alone. Take this case study from Fred, founder and CEO of Finder. Finder helps people make more informed financial decisions by providing comparisons of personal finance products like credit cards and insurance. Fred wanted to staff up quickly after launching in the US, but finding qualified matches from other sites was challenging and his recruiting process was disorganized. ZipRecruiter's platform centralizes hiring and their AI-driven matching technology helped Fred find more quality candidates fast. He was able to scale his staff from zero to 12 in a matter of months, filling roles with varying levels of skills and experience. Fred says, if you are a growth company and you want a diversity of quality people to hire, ZipRecruiter is the best solution out there. In the US, we staff Finder on ZipRecruiter. If you want to find hiring success like Fred did, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com slash fire. That's ziprecruiter.com slash fire. Once again, zip recruiter.com slash fire zip recruiter the smartest way to hire in a nutshell uh, puerto rico is a territory of the united states but it's only a territory meaning that puerto ricans cannot vote for the president um so they are not to blame for trump being the president you can you can blame puerto ricans for a lot they're lovely people <laughs> but you can't blame them for president trump so anyways that being said um, so there's no taxation without representation. So Puerto Rico, just like the American Virgin Islands and Guam and other American territories, there's only a couple other ones, they don't pay federal tax because of that. No taxation without representation. So Puerto Rico back in 2013 was like, well, there's an opportunity to bring really smart, really wealthy um, really motivated and educated individuals to our island. How are we going to do that? We're going to offer them to come to our island. They can set up their corporation. They can move their business to Puerto Rico, which is a beautiful island in the Caribbean, right next to the Dominican Republic and the American Virgin Islands and the British Virgin Islands and Aruba, et cetera, right in that chain. And we can let them set their corporations up for a flat 4% corporate tax rate. Now, what's going to happen when they come down to Puerto Rico and they set up and they uh, are paying a 4% corporate tax rate? Well, guess what? We're going to get 4% of millions of dollars, which is better than 30 to 50% of $0. So they can do math, which is awesome, unlike some people. And they figured that part out. Then they said, well, you know what? These people are also probably going to buy houses and shop at the supermarkets and go out to dinners and invite their friends to come visit and have a handyman and a pool man and a maid and a housekeeper and yada yada. So essentially spend more than what they would have been spending back in the United States because they have free capital. Way more. Just come and inject this money into this, you know, poor island because it is a poor island. And I also mean poor in the other sense where it's just an island that's kind of, you know, been forgotten about as well as an American territory. So it's a beautiful place and it's a beautiful island. And this Act 20 allows Americans and internationals to move to this island, set up a corporation, pay a flat 4% and really just get to keep the money that they make, which is what we're all trying to do. So instead of me, when I was in California, literally working five to six months 
for the government every single year. Now I'm working approximately 21 days a year. I'm so I can't believe you figured that out exactly. <laughs> <laughs> By January 21st, which was eight days ago, I'm like, all right, every single day for the rest of this year is my money in my pockets. You know what it does too? And, and so for anyone listening in, so it's 4% corporate tax and then 0% dividends. So what that means is like, say for me in Canada is currently 13.5% uh, corporate tax, but then I have to pay I have to pay taxes on dividends. So, if I choose to remove the money from my corporate account into my personal account, I have to pay a tax rate for dividends as well. And so, in the end, you know, if you're earning, say, a million dollars on your business, you're paying roughly half of that in taxes, whereas in Puerto Rico, it's 4%. Well, even more than that, isn't it? Because I think at $500,000 in Canada, it jumps up to like 35%, right? Yeah, it does. It, it certainly does. So, from does. 500K to a million, that $500,000, you'd be paying a crap ton, like in the 60 to 70%. Yeah, it just it just continues to get worse. It's like you're de-incentivized to make money, essentially, which is totally ridiculous. So ridiculous. So, here's what happens, guys, if you really think about it. Now- you move down here and 4%, so now you have more capital. That capital becomes an advantage for you because now whenever there's an opportunity that comes up, you now have capital that you can invest into that opportunity a lot faster than if you were having to outlay that money in taxes every single quarter. Have you sort of seen that come up yet, John, for yourself? Like, Because I know you've got a lot of capital saved now uh, for yourself and your business. Have you seen opportunities come along and you're just like, you can jump on them straight away? Yeah. And a great example is like even cryptocurrency. Like I honestly believe cryptocurrency might go down to zero. I also believe that it might go up to one zillion percent. Like it's literally like nobody knows. And anybody that pretends that they know is just ignorant because they don't know. But guess what? I can take like $250,000, which I did, and invest in a bunch of the cryptocurrencies and honestly say to myself, well, you know what? If this goes down to zero, which is possible, unlikely it's going to go to zero, but you know, I could lose a lot of money or all of it, or this could end up being like the thing that, you know, brings me into that, like, you know, screw you money range. (laughs) Um, You know, that could literally be the other end of the spectrum. But I was paying $250,000 a quarter to the government, like poof, that was gone. Now I can just take three months and that's, that's, so every three months I can take $250,000 and make an investment like that and say, you know what, this is money that I would never even have, have had access to. And this money could now become an incredible amount or not. And I've invested similar monies uh, to that dollar amount in businesses where now I have five, 10, 20% equity in these companies that could grow to eight, nine figure companies. So these are all these different plays that I've been making. You know, I've invested heavily in gold, as I know you have as well, Josh. And I've been able to diversify and just invest in the stock market and then just also be making interest on money and like having um, treasury and bond and tips and all these different things that you can do to actually generate return on capital that for me, somebody in my 30s, I mean, it's, it's just incredible what compound interest and a couple of these, just a couple of these big bets that I'm making, if any one of them hits, what that's going to mean, you know, for my net worth in 10, 20, 40 years from now, it's, it's literally next level. I want to talk about a really simple investment strategy that that all entrepreneurs, I believe that, that you also believe should be doing as well in, in a second. For anyone who's just hearing this right now, they're like, well, 4% flat 
uh, tax rate down in Puerto Rico. Who does it make sense for when it comes to making this decision? Like, does it make sense if you're making, you know, if you're just getting started in your business, does it make sense to kind of come down here or you should be earning six figures, a million dollars? Who would be a good fit for the Puerto Rico Act 20? So it's a good fit for people who, number one, are adventurous and are willing to come down to an island on the Caribbean and make a go at it. And you're going to be leaving behind, I get it, your friends, your family, you know, a lot of the comforts that you have from being in the area that you currently live right now. So you need to have some form of adventure, you know, in yourself. Like that's one of the keys. Then number two, I like to kind of say like, hey, just picture this. Let's just start with a lower number. Like if you're netting $200,000 a year right now after taxes, I mean, after, sorry, after all your expenses, you're netting $200,000. A move to Puerto Rico is going to save you, you know, somewhere in the range of seventy dollars to $100,000. And that's almost doubling your overall net worth by having that in that, in that single year. So you're at that point now where if you're, if you're netting $200,000, being able to keep 60, 80, 100,000 more of those dollars than you would staying where you are, that's a huge, huge deal for people in that situation. And the best part is if you really think your business is going to grow, it's only going to get better as your dollars and cents go up. So in 2017, I would have paid over 1.3 million in taxes if I stayed in California. In Puerto Rico, I paid $77,000. So you can see (laughs) the fact that I saved over $1.2 million by moving to Puerto Rico. And that's, you know, on a high scale, of course, but that's where you can see where as your business grows and revenue grows, that savings just compounds in a great way. I'm convinced it's literally the deal of the century going on right now, especially if you're in the situation where you do have an online business and that's pretty much everyone listening in right now. And I think you can say that even more so, Josh, because now you've been here for 30 days. You're living in our community here in Palmas del Mar. You see how beautiful our community is. You see the golf courses, the tennis course, the beach club, the fitness club, the restaurants. You see the Caribbean right there. The view that we have is next level epicness. You've met the people that are here. The people that are here are so cool. They have the incredible enthusiasm for life. I call it the Palmas Del Mar funnel because you don't come to Palmas Del Mar unless, number one, you have legitimate adventure bones in you. Number two, you have to be location and financially independent. And three, you need to be successful in that genre. And so the people that are coming here are hitting all of those requirements because you don't move here unless you really do hit all of those things. So they're just cool, fun, interesting, exciting people. Kate and I booked a cruise with her parents and my parents this past fall where we did a 10-day Greek Isle cruise and we just kind of like let people in our community know that we're doing it. And 10 couples joined us on that cruise here. They're like, oh, we'll go. And they came and it was the best. Like Hmm. these are the type of people that you're dealing with in these scenarios. I think the people is actually the most important thing. You know, you can put put aside weather and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have that community, uh, it's difficult to stay in a place long term. And I've been here for 30 days now and I've met a bunch of the people here. And John's right. It, it is like a, a funnel, essentially. It, it does like filter out, you know, any unwanted people and it, it filters in. Uh, entrepreneurs, driven, uh, successful already, and and also just very pleasant to hang out with too. Uh, I want to talk about I want to talk about investing because I don't hear this enough. And 
we've had a bunch of conversations around this, you and I, and a lot of people just end up investing all of their money back into their business, which I feel is a bit of a mistake. It's like if the market changes, you know, all of a sudden you just lost that money. And so, maybe it's important for you to kind of diversify doing something that's quite easy and automated. So, John, let's say someone's earning some money uh, every single month right now for their business, some profit. And instead of just throwing that money back into like some ads that maybe will generate more money for them, maybe won't. What do you recommend someone do uh, as far as like investing goes? So I interviewed Tony Robbins a couple of years ago for my podcast and he was talking about his book, Money and I think it was Unshakable. Mm-hmm. And he went around the country and interviewed some of the top financial geniuses of our time from Warren Buffett to Ray Diallo and other individuals, um, Kevin Bogle from Vanguard, who, not Kevin, but I figure I think it's Jim Bogle from Vanguard, um, who actually recently passed away, which is really sad, who was the uh, father of the index funds. And he interviewed these individuals, all of them. And essentially, they all said the same thing. They said, listen, if you are not going to have your nose like glued to a computer screen every single day, like looking at the fluctuations of the market, which none of them recommended because that's a miserable life, they said, the best way for you to invest is called dollar cost averaging into index funds. So index funds are a very low cost, diverse set of funds where you're essentially being able to invest a tiny ECBC percentage into essentially the total market. So for instance, Fidelity has the total market index fund. I invest, let's just say $10,000 in that. What I'm investing in is a fund that is giving me a tiny ECBC slice of almost every single stock that's out there in this total market index fund. And I am going to then basically get the returns that the United States stock market gets as a whole. So over the last like 78, 79 years, however long it's been going on, the stock market has averaged over seven to 8% returns, you know, given any single year. Sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower, but that's an average over that time. So if you're dollar cost averaging into these funds, say say you can invest an initial $10,000, then every month after that, you can invest 1,000, 1,000, 1,000 on the same day every month, you're dollar cost averaging into the fund, which essentially is just the easy way of saying, when the market goes up, you're investing and you're buying less of, the, of that fund because it's more expensive um, and it's at a higher price point. And then when the market goes down, you're investing at the same time every month and you're buying more because it's cheaper at that point. And so over time, you're buying less when it's high, you're buying more when it's low, and your dollar cost averaging into the market that way at a very beneficial place for you. And then if you're just able to stay consistent and over time do that, essentially every seven years, you will be doubling your money. And of course, nobody knows what the future is going to hold for the stock market and nothing is guaranteed. But given the best historical practices that we've seen over the years, this is what all of these great financial geniuses of our time have recommended, even so much as Warren Buffett saying, hey, when I pass away, my wife, what's happening to all of her money that you know we set up over the years is just that. It's going into index funds and it's going to be dollar cost average on an ongoing basis. Like That's what he's having happen for his family because that's just the reality as they've seen it. So that's the biggest recommendation is you've got to stay consistent. You've got to stick to a plan. You want a dollar cost average 
You want to um, go into an index fund that's not an actively managed fund because index funds are essentially free. There's like 0.003% is, is the rate on that. So some, I think actually Fidelity just recently came out with a, a total, totally free index funds, hmm. which I'm about to be looking into soon. Uh, because there's no there's no management fees because there's nobody managing it. It's all computer um, kept and automated and all that stuff. And frankly, there's no mutual funds out there that are going to beat the market on a consistent basis. There's some that will lie to you and say that they are and they can, but they won't over the long haul, period, end of story. It's been proven time and time again. So that's the way to do it. That's the way that I've always been doing it. And uh, it's worked out pretty well for me. I think I heard somewhere that over 90% of uh, mutual fund managers don't end up beating the market uh, yet. And that's over a five-year period. And then those 10% that they keep tracking over the next five years, like 99% don't. So it's just like, it's, it just doesn't happen. And and they're taking like one, one and a half, two percent fees off. Yeah, at least. So, I mean, yeah. there's a big difference if you're doing, if you're, if you're essentially just doing this yourself, which is really easy to do now, you know, you, you have Fidelity, you can set up a Fidelity account very easy and just have this automatically come out every single month for you. Uh, if you're in Canada, you use like a, like a platform called Quest Trade, which allows you to do it. Or you can use like a robo advisor, like Wealth Simple is a really popular robo advisor. And they, they do take a small fee, but it's very, very small. In my opinion, I feel like it's when you do this, you're essentially protecting yourself from yourself. So, if you leave that money, first of all, if you leave that money in, say, like a savings account, you're earning no money on interest on that because savings account pay pay nothing. Uh, but secondly, it's so easy for you to just go and just just do an online transfer whenever you need extra cash. And you're like, you know what? I do need that. I do need an upgrade for my car right now. And so, you go and you do it. Whereas if you have your money locked away in investment somewhere, you're protecting yourself from yourself. Right, John? You're protecting yourself from yourself, and we are our own worst enemy, period, end of story. Yeah. There's another tool that you you showed me, and I don't get access to it in Canada, which is really frustrating, but it's called Personal Capital. You love, you love that tool, don't you? It's a great tool because, again, it's just like keeping your finger on the pulse. And the reality is I can log into Personal Capital. It's kind of my initial morning routine every single morning, and it's linked to all of my bank accounts, all of my investments. Um, all of my other investments as well that I've made in different companies too. And it just completely updates it and it will show me my latest and greatest net worth. It'll show me the chart and how it's trending up and down. It will show me, you know, how much net profit I've made over the past three months. And I can obviously change that around too. So I can kind of even go longer or shorter if I want to. And it's just a great peace of mind as well. Because listen, if you have like five or six different financial accounts, some people have more, some people have less, but some people definitely have more. Are you really going in and checking those separate accounts every single day? The beautiful thing about this is, listen, identity theft is possible. This is a possible thing in the world that we live in. Period, end of story. Hacking is possible. You want to catch these things as soon as possible. And so if I ever log into my account and I see there's a huge drop in one of my accounts, it's never happened, but if I did, I would know it that day and I'd be able to start taking action that day. So having something like personal capital where it's a one place, a one-stop shop, one place that I can go to see all of my stuff, that one dashboard, it's a great peace of mind and it just really gives me the right motivation, Josh, like the right motivation to want to see that chart trending up and to the right. Mm. And it's a fun game. And that's a game that I love playing. It sounds very fun. Um, (laughs) Another one for anyone who can't access personal capital is Mint. Mint app is like another one there as well. John, we've covered a lot today. 
but I don't think I've ever talked about any of this stuff yet on our podcast. And so, it was really fun. It's always fun chatting to you, obviously. Uh, I'm going to let you go because I know you've got a tub of Ben and Jerry's downstairs you need to go and crush. Ah, you're so cruel because that's not true. You're not even going to share any with us. I, know, <laughs> I would I know not if I had it, for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your words of wisdom when it comes to, to keeping the money you make. Yeah, well, let me share one last thing. Um, I do have an article where I really detail out why we moved to Puerto Rico, what I consider the pros, what I consider the cons, and there's a couple good links to Act 20 if people want to learn more about it. It's eofire.com slash YPR, like W-H-Y, Y Puerto Rico, YPR. And you also get a little video crib tour of my house that Josh has been crashing at the last 30 days. It's a pretty epic crib. You should just go there. <laughs> Even if you're not going to move to Puerto Rico, just go check that out and uh, and check out this crib where we're staying. Are we gonna? Are you gonna do like an update of that crib and like and we can be involved in it somehow? We would like have music going on the background. I think we should because I think uh, you know Kai adds a lot to that video. <laughs> he really does. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm excited for a lot of people to listen into this and take action. Cool, brother. It was a blast. Peace. Looking for a place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart? That place is ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.